Welcome, my friends, to Shaking the Salt with Dr. Peppers. My bio reads from troubled teen to teacher of the year, 100-pound weight loss, blah, blah, blah. You know the sort of thing you're working on in your before and after life story. So at the end of the message, stay tuned if you want to contact me for any reason, including prayers. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Peppers, Shaking the Salt. Here we go. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. I worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Okay, if you haven't turned it off by now, I this was Janis Joplin way, way, way back in the day. And for those of you that are old enough to remember Janis Joplin, well, you're as old as I am probably, but those of you that have only heard of her or her past music, this was one of those. She was a wild and crazy, she just lived too many drugs, too much rock and roll, too hard, too fast, and she died at a very young age because of it all. You know, here in America, we are, and she was being very sarcastic in saying that as well, but we are so blessed. We have so much. Christmas has just been over, and the kids are so spoiled, aren't they? They all wanted these great, big, expensive electronics and games. And when you turn 15 or 16, you really do expect Daddy to buy you a new car. Depending on the zip code you live in and depending on what your dad does, I guess. Having taught in an area of St. Louis that the school district itself was really very affluent, and we had many benefits that others didn't have, but the kids in there, and I'm talking teenagers because I taught high school and I also ended up teaching in the last year at the alternative school. But as I listened to and heard and saw, everything that these kids did just seemed to reflect back to me. And I remembered how I was at their age and what I did and how my parents must have just felt hopeless and so ashamed. But You know, when my husband and I got married, we knew that we only had summers because I was a teacher. We only had summers to travel. So we tried to see every state, which we did, and 65 foreign countries. Now, we were doing this because we wanted to experience the cultures of the different countries. We didn't want to play tourist, and yet we did see most of the touristy things as well. But we came back from each trip kissing the ground to be back in America, but sobbing when children would ask for things that these kids don't even know about. They don't know about these electronic toys. Many of them are just thrilled to even get paper and colored pencils that they could draw. We were able to take a whole suitcase full of supplies into Cuba when we went there. And when we went to China, we had to be very careful because they searched the suitcase. But as a teacher and often obtaining a cultural pass, we were able to take things in that other people couldn't. And you would think that we were giving these teachers and these kids a million dollars with the items that we took them, like books and pencils and paper and colors and things that they just weren't used to having. 
One of the places in Africa where we went in Zimbabwe, we got to meet with the teachers and their students at this particular area where they walk to school barefoot because they all live in the neighborhood and the mothers would come and draw from the water there. It was the community water source. But these teachers had absolutely nothing. And these kids would make the books for the next year coming up so that those kids could learn what they had made the books for. And, you know, I just, I can't even imagine that. You know as well as I do that we're spoiled, but there was an article that I read in the newspaper just day before yesterday that absolutely broke my heart. And it said, South Sudan ravaged by months of intense flooding. And I was thinking of my days of growing up on the Mississippi River, where we often had the floods, and we would do the sandbags, and the community would come together, and everybody would work, and we would save the homes and the buildings. And my grandmother's house and our house were often affected by the flood, but nothing like this. On a scrap of land surrounded by flooding in South Sudan, Families drink and bathe from the waters that swept away all of their latrines, and some one million people in the country have been displaced, one million, or isolated for months by the worst flooding in memory with the intense rainy season, a sign of climate change. And the waters begin rising in June, wiping away all of their crops, swamping the roads, worsening the hunger and disease in the young nation, struggling to recover from civil war. And now their biggest threat is famine. And when you look at this picture, it's a husband and wife with their two and one baby, two kids and a baby, on a piece of a log floating in the water. And you can see the ribs on the kids who have probably not eaten in a long time. And because nobody can seem to get to them or they've just been neglected or whatever the cause, these people are literally just fighting to live. No, we can't imagine that. Of course we can't. We see it in movies and we see it on TV and we can give to good causes and that's a good thing to do, but it's not really saving lives. What can we do here in the United States to help out? Of course we can give. Of course we can support missionaries going to that place. Of course we can contact our government and some of the ministries that are around and ask them to help. But the very best thing right now that each one of us could do is to pray for these families, to pray for this nation and other nations where they all seem to have absolutely nothing, and they are so hopeless. And my friend, if you're not used to praying, God just says, just talk to me. Just speak to me like you would if I were your father, if I were a friend. Just talk to me. Just pray. That's what prayer is. When you talk to Father God, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, oh, this is the perfect time at the beginning of this year to say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm going to step out and believe that you so loved the world. You sent your only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for me. And I'm confessing that with my mouth right now. 
that I want to receive the love of Christ, to be able to know that I will have not just abundant life today and right now in this life, but eternally. Thank you, Lord God. And Father, we pray for these people all over the world, those that don't even have clothes to put on, those that don't have food to eat or clean water to drink, those that are barely surviving. God, your hand is right there too, and your eye is upon them. And we believe that we can pray, we can help, we can send. You've told us, God, in your word, that whosoever hath this world's good and sees that his brother has need, and we have not compassion, then how does your love dwell in us? Because we're to love not just in word, but in deed. So God, we come first with prayer. We ask that you would help use us for provision. And for the one listening, Lord God, if they've never trusted you as Savior, what a great way to start 2020 wonderful. God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for the United States of America and for all that we have here. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died that we might live life abundantly and eternally. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for staying on, my friend. If you would like to contact me, visit saltandlightministry.com. If you want to share your story with me, ask a question, have me come speak to your group, or maybe just request prayer. Once again, saltandlightministry.com. Thanks and God bless.